Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome. Make yourself comfortable. This is episode 153 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley. David Cameron Walker is here as well. Hello, DC. Thank you. Hello, Mark. Hello. Happy birthday. You would never miss the opportunity to play a little bit of Stevie on We Are Going Up, would you? Of course. Have you had a nice day? It is today. I've spent five hours on a megabus. Five hours on a megabus. Um, And I tweeted about this, and Megabus UK tweeted back wishing me a happy birthday, which I did enjoy. Well, that was some consolation then, wasn't it, I suppose? Mm. I also noticed uh, you had a little bit of Phil Brown singing, this is the best trip I've ever been on lined up there. (laughs) I thought you were going to hit me with that straight away. (laughs) I was trying to do it so you couldn't hear. Oh, no, I could hear. I could hear. Um, But yeah, it is today. It is today. Um, Best present I've got so far, uh, well, it wasn't last night's result. Uh, it was a little charger, like a portable charger for my phone, meaning it'll never run out of juice when I'm, I'm on these five-hour megabuses back home. Um, so that did the job today. How are you? I'm all right. Good. No, I'm it's, okay. It's a very interesting... You can get rid of Stevie now. Get rid of Stevie. Sorry, Stevie. He's gone. Um, you weren't in Amsterdam at the weekend like I was. No. So did you manage to... Uh, I mean, how much football did you see? I've got to be honest, I didn't really see the Reading-Arsenal game. I've only seen the highlights back. My heart did sink for poor Adam Federici, though. Uh, without mistaking extra oh, time, God. heartbreaking. I was gutted for him because he had a he had a good game actually. He made some really good saves, although you know, the two crucial moments, even the first goal, he didn't do that well on, and then that that second goal, Sanchez's second goal, absolutely horrendous error. But have you seen what's um, been doing the rounds today about Federici? No. You know he's getting married in the summer, don't you? Well, I say in the summer. <laughs> why would I, I know that? Why getting, would I know he's that? Getting married in, in about well, a month many, or so's many time. Many congratulations to the Federici. Yeah, he's getting married on the day of the FA Cup final, though, isn't he? <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. Ah. Seems a bit convenient, if you ask me. <laughs> what are you trying to suggest? I'm just saying. Okay. Um, These weddings are not easy to reschedule once they're, once they're booked. Conspiracy theory. Conspiracy <laughs> theory. Um, right, so we will... Uh, well, commiser- commiserations to Reading. Uh, we will talk uh, shortly about um, my... Um, the reason I went uh, home and spent five hours on a megabus coming back. Um, so we're going to hear from Phil Brown, mm. the Southend United manager who masterminded a 1-0 victory for Southend at the JD Stadium... On Tuesday night, sadly this week, he is delighted. Of course, he a happy be. man. Of course, he bloody is. <laughs> this is the best trip There's away, more Phil. where that came from. Go, go away. Get Phil. used to it. Um, I've got the controls. Oh, you have as well. <laughs> this doesn't usually happen. Uh, so we'll hear from uh, Phil Brown after that um, result later. We'll also give our reaction to the news that Mickey Adams has left Tranmere. We'll discuss the Football League Players of the Year. And we will preview the penultimate weekend of the season. Uh, now Watford are in charge of their own destiny like we were. Well, they balled it up like we did. Uh, but first, we're going to start this week in League Two. Um, now, 13 years ago, 
uh, DC, Burton Albion were playing. Can you guess what division they were playing in 13 years ago? God knows. Um, probably lower than the conference. What, the in, nor- Conference North? Or? The Northern Premier League. Northern Premier. Uh, next season, though, they're going to be playing in the third tier of English football for the first time in their history. After coming close in the playoffs in the last two years, including uh, that 1-0 defeat to Fleetwood at Wembley last season, the Brewers have made it third time lucky. They clinched promotion with two games of the season still to spare uh, by making it 10 games unbeaten with a 2-1 win against Morecambe at the Globe Arena on Saturday, a result that meant promotion to League One, of course, under the expert leadership now of Mr Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbanks. Let's speak to a man who was there out on the pitch on Saturday in the beautiful sunshine at Morecambe interviewing the jubilant players as they celebrated and drank champagne on the pitch. He is friend of the show, Joe Shannon. And Joe is a reporter and commentator on Burton Albion for BBC Radio Derby. And we're delighted to say that Joe is on the line right now. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. Burton Albion are a League One club. What was that like to cover on Saturday? Oh, it was um, remarkable, Mark, really, for all sorts of reasons. Um, Not least the fact it was such an historic day for Burton, you know, arguably the greatest day in the club's history. They've never been as high as League One, of course. They've only been a football league club for five or six years. And I turned to my co-commentator on the final whistle when we knew that the uh, Wickham result had gone Burton's way. They drew nil-nil with Wimbledon, of course. And there were tears in his eyes. And there were tears in the eyes of a lot of the Burton fans, I think, in the celebrations post-match. And it shows you just how much it meant to the club and I think to the community. I was interviewing Ben Robinson, the Burton chairman, who's been with the club throughout this entire process. I mean, you've got to remember, Burton, 13 years ago, were a Northern Premier League club. And now they'll be facing the likes of Coventry City in League One uh, next season to name but one ex-Premier League club that they'll be up against. And I spoke to the chairman, as I say, after the game, and his emphasis was on the results and the promotion being a massive thing, not just for Burton as a football club, but Burton as a town, Burton as a community. So the overriding emotion I took from it was that it was truly an historic day for everybody concerned. And Joe, this is, in many ways, this promotion has some sort of similarities to the way that Burton were first promoted to the Football League in so much that Nigel Clough did so much to take them to the brink but then obviously left before they finally got up and and uh, and Gary Rowett did much the same this time leaving earlier in the season before Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has come in and taken the team on and finished the job getting them into the third tier I mean, what exactly has Hasselbank done since coming in to, to complete this final step? Has he done much at all or is it much a continuation of what was already going on? Interesting one. I think great credit, first of all, has to be given to Gary Rapp for the work that he did. When he took over at Burton, they were fighting against relegation, of course, and he took them to playoff contenders, promotion contenders. And if you look at the squads from the game against Morecambe at the weekend, I think off the top of my head, 11 of the players involved were players that were brought to Burton by Gary Rowett. So if you look at the bulk of the squad, I think a lot of the Rowett squad has been retained by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. But I think it's important to note he's made subtle changes, got rid of a couple of fans' favourites, a couple of really experienced players who've been there for years, Ian Sharps, Lee Bell, Jimmy Phillips, who was the longest-serving player at Burton at the start of the season. So these were difficult decisions to make, but the new manager's come in and he's tweaked the squad ever so slightly. He's brought in a number of lone players who have all made a difference as the campaign's gone on. And I think it's made Burton a better team, actually. I think what he's also done is there's been a slight change in the style of play. Perhaps under Gary Rowett, they were that little bit more direct. 
I'm Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I think the football perhaps is a little bit more emphasis on the ground. I think the style of football is perhaps a little bit more attractive than it was before. So he's made little differences, but I think I've actually made Burton overall a better team. I mean, they were very good when Gary Rowett left to go to Birmingham City. That's why he got the job in the first place, of course, at St Andrews. But I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has made Burton an even better team defensively. They are so solid at the back. The back five, if you include the goalkeeper, has picked itself all season. And he's also made them, I think, a little bit more creative going forward. I should also say, you've got to take into account the staff he's had with him. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, not necessarily someone who would have known the rigours and the ins and outs of League Two football having arrived at the club. But David Oldfield, who's been his assistant manager, I think has made a key contribution. There's Gavin Ward as well, who has helped John McLaughlin become one of the best keepers in the division. So it's subtle changes, little changes to personnel, to the coaching staff, to the style of play that I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has implemented. And that's a massive reason why Burton are where they are. But as I say, and Jimmy's mentioned this himself, great credit to Gary Rowett for I think laying the foundations and of course Nigel Clough in the years before that one of the interesting things about Burton is that if you look at the team there's not actually any player who scored more than 10 goals this season so if you you think that Burton probably will go on to win the title now you'd expect it just shows when you look at it I think it's 11 players I've counted who've scored more than one goal this season so one of the great strengths of this side has been that there's been goals from throughout the whole 11 yeah it's incredible Mark everybody's contributed I think the stat is something like if you include own goals, 21 different goal scorers for Burton this season. And as you say, nobody's hit double figures in the league, which is extraordinary. But it just goes to show that you don't need a 20-goal-a-season striker, certainly not in League 2 if you to be successful. I think there are certain clubs that probably rely too heavily on goal scorers. You know, if you look at somebody like Northampton, possibly, Mark Richards, their key goal-scoring striker, have they relied on him too much this season? quite possibly. Burton have assembled a squad where I think they've got goal-scoring ability if you go throughout the team. Phil Edwards, the right-back, has scored four this season. You've got John Massinho, Cancel Sheriff, the defenders. Damien McCrory, the left-back, he's been the penalty-taker for a while this season. He's chipped in with some important goals. And you go through the midfielders, some of the loan signings that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has brought in, players like Adam McGurk, whose goal tally has gone up slowly but surely as the season's gone on. And it's been a very reliable set of players, you know, and it's one of those squads where if you bring somebody in for a game or if you rotate two or three players, it doesn't weaken the squad, it doesn't weaken the team, and you know that you're going to get goals from this Burton Abbey inside, and there's no reliance on one given player. I think that's the biggest thing, actually, about Burton's success this season. We've mentioned it before in commentaries, there's no I in that Burton team. It's just the squad, there's no stars, there's nobody flash, there's no one who necessarily stands out in terms of individuals it's just a very reliable very good very strong squad that was going to be my next question actually you've kind of answered it already I was going to say it's very much a team effort in terms of the goal scoring uh, sharing the goal scoring around the team but you know are there any players that you would look to Burton say they are you know the key performers that you would look to the senior players the leaders on the pitch or or is, is it truly everybody contributing equally no, I mean, tell you what, I think if I had to pick two or three players, there are perhaps, and I, you know, I don't want to contradict what I've just said, but there are two or three that perhaps do stand out. And I think first and foremost, John Massinho, the captain, mostly been a central midfielder for most of his career, came to the club as a central midfielder, did well, 
then largely due to injuries, um, he was forced into the centre defensive position just before Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank took charge. And he's been so successful that he stayed as a central defender ever since. And I think now, if you ask John, he'd say central defence is his number one position. He's carved out a whole new career for himself, I think. He's taken over as captain after he and Sharks left the club. Um, and he has been inspirational at the back for Burton. If I was to mention a couple of other players, I think Stuart Bevan up front, in my view, one of the best players technically in the division. I think he might have liked to have contributed a few more goals, but his, you know, his close control, the way he hassles defenders, I think he's one of the best players in League Two. Is there, um, at the other end, is there a little bit of Wiccan bias in that, though? <laughs> there might be, yeah. I was just, I was just, I was just saying the two ex-Wiccan players, haven't I? Um, yeah, they've learnt their trade at Wickham. They've come from a very good club, they really have. Um, and John McLaughlin in goal as well, you know, a couple of crucial penalty saves. Um, he's got best of the season, gone on. I think Gavin Ward coming in as the goalkeeping coach, he's worked really well with him. And he's one of the best keepers in League Two. So, yeah, if I had to pick three individuals, it'd probably be those three. Um, we'll come on to Wickham themselves in just a second, but let's talk a bit about Burton next season then. Um, if you look down some of the clubs in League One, there's some big football clubs there. Do you get the feeling, though, that you know this is the... This is the right time for Burton Albion. It's felt like you know they've taken a few years to make this step, but this is the, the moment that they're going to go up there and do themselves justice in a high division. Yeah, I think so. I don't see any reason why not. You know, I think a number of the players have played football at League One level and have done so successfully. A number of the signings, you know, players that were in last summer came from League One clubs. Massinho, Bevan, both former Preston players. McLaughlin, of course, used to play for Bradford City. Uh, Lucas Aikens has played at League One level. I think, you know, the squad is pretty capable. They'll need one or two additions. I think they've relied on loan players this season, you know, as clubs often do at League Two and League One level. There is a reliance on the loan market, so perhaps one or two new signings would be useful for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, but I think they're more than capable. You know, if you look at clubs in recent years, Crawley Town, perhaps not this season so much, but in previous years, they've gone up similar attendances, similar type of clubs to Burton Albion in terms of size, they've done well. Fleetwood, I know they've got lots of money behind them, but again, similar size of club, similar rise in recent years. I don't think there's a great difference between the top end of League Two and, say, mid-table in League One. So I'm pretty confident looking ahead to next season, even at this very early stage, and a lot could change over the summer, but I think at this stage, Burton, I'm sure, could compete pretty well in League One. For many people, it must have been a bit of a surprise to see someone like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank taking the job at Burton, his first managerial post in, in this country. Um, but he's obviously done really well in his first few months in the job. He's got the promotion under his belt. But if he continues to do well and next season Burton are in the top half of League One, pushing up towards the playoffs maybe, such is his profile. It's not going to take long before bigger clubs start eyeing Jimmy and some, as someone who's got a reputation who's quite a sexy name for, for football league clubs and there could be a, a, a fight on their hands to keep hold of Jimmy if he keeps doing well yeah definitely you know I think he's a, he's a guy destined for big things in management you know he was a winner as a player tremendous career as a player I think he's already shown signs you know of being that sort of mentality in management you know I think you could, you could already see this guy's going to be a winner as a manager um, when the final whistle went and Burton knew they were promoted 
uh, you know, you go on the pitch, you do your interviews. We went over to Jimmy, and one of the first things he said to me was, you know, delighted for the promotion, of course, delighted for the club, but the season has not done yet, he said. We want to finish the season as winners, and the players will be in on Monday to focus on Northampton, which is Burton's game this Saturday. So, as you say, a big name, someone with a big history behind him, and I don't think it will be long, no, if he does well at League One level, but for other clubs do come looking. You know, you look at perhaps the likes of uh, Leeds United, where he was a former player. Uh, Leeds is a bit of a basket case at the best of times at the moment. But there will be fans of clubs like that. There will be fans of clubs perhaps struggling in the Championship or at the top end of League One who feel they should be higher. Who will look to Jimmy Floyd half the bank and say, if he's coming and made such a great impact at Burton, why can't he do the same at my club? And I've no doubt that in three, four years' time, Jimmy Floyd half the bank will be at a higher level, at a much higher level, whether it's with Burton or whether it's with someone else. OK, Joe, um, just before we let you go, because I know you're on your way to the Reading against Birmingham game at the Badesky as we're uh, recording this, uh, you are a Wickham fan. You will have been watching that result from Gig Lane intently last night um, and a win for Southend. I know, that we'll, we'll talk more about this in a minute. But um, but yeah, a win for Southend puts it back in Wickham's hands now. Um, they've had a really tricky week or two, haven't they, with injuries and obviously the draw at Wimbledon. They they lost at home to Oxford a couple of weeks ago. Morecambe at home and then Northampton away. They win both those games. They'll be promoted. Do you think it's going to be that simple, though? Oh, well, it rarely is with Wickham, to be honest, as I think we saw last season. Um I mean, Gareth Ainsworth's done a miracle job so far. There's no question about that. My worry, Mark, really, is with the squad and the injuries. Are they finally taking its toll? They've barely had enough players to put a team out against Wimbledon last weekend. Somehow got away with a nil-nil draw. It's still in their hands. My only worry is, as I say, do they have the energy? Do they have the impetus to get the... I think it's probably going to be six points that Wickham need to get over the line. So they're going to have to beat Morecambe at home and Northampton away. Again, teams with nothing to play for. So if you're looking for two games that you wanted to pick at the end of the season, perhaps they'd be up there. But it's going to be difficult for Gareth Ainsworth. I just hope for his sake, um, you know, he can summon up the motivation to just drive these players over the line because I think some of them really are on their last legs in terms of fitness at the moment I've got to say that's music to my ears um, but it, it probably South, it's probably <laughs> yeah, South End you now, it? it's probably South End though <laughs> that the team that will be wor- uh, worrying Wickham now because they've not let in a goal in six games and they're only five goals behind on goal difference so it's not just one team Wickham have got a pip now it's two yeah absolutely if you know Southend have got Luton at home haven't they and Morecambe away um, everyone's playing Morecambe I mean, they could, yeah, they can go and score goals, and five goals isn't much in terms of that goal difference, of course, especially when it comes to the last day of the season. If Southend know they've got to win 2-3-0 three, three at Morecambe, then they'll have the game plan and they'll go out and they'll do their best to do it. It does worry me a bit, but it's still in Wickham's hands, and there's parts of me, actually, that thinks it's great that they've managed to get this far. You know, whatever happens, they'll definitely be in the playoffs. And I, you know, I know it sounds a bit of a cop-out, but at this stage of the season, for them to have gone from nearly falling out of the Football League by one goal, I think it was, last season to Bristol Rovers, to be within two wins, potentially, of League One, I, I can't believe it. It's just an extraordinary turnaround. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's been enjoyable just for that. Good stuff. Well, I can't wish Wickham good luck for the rest of the season, but I can say <laughs> thanks very much for coming on, Joe, and speaking to us. Enjoy the game tonight that you're at and uh, hopefully uh, enjoy Burton being crowned champions at the weekend. 
hope so. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. That's Joe Shannon, BBC Radio Derby's Burton Albion reporter. And we'll have more, sadly, on the events in League Two. Plus a look at the Championship and League One after this. to do something great together. Join Men United and help beat prostate cancer. Search Men United now. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. All change. All change at the top. Of the championship, DC, isn't um, it just? You didn't, uh, isn't it just? You didn't please some Bournemouth fans last oh, week. Oh, and I show. don't care. One <laughs> iota. I'm sorry, Bournemouth fans. Um, so yeah, so basically, uh, this is what happened at the weekend. All started on Friday night. Now I've got to preface a lot of this by saying I was in Amsterdam, so I didn't really see very much of this. Mm. Uh, Norwich nil, Middlesbrough one. How was the? Uh, how was the trip in Amsterdam? It was. It was cracking. Yeah, it was good. Would you say it'd be one of the best trips you've ever been on? <laughs> Shut up. You're allowed one more play about this show. <laughs> one more play, okay? Uh, so, this is what happened. Norwich nil, Middlesbrough won. I tell you what, the Middlesbrough bench at full time, they <sighs> they really celebrated that win. And it was the perfect win for them, really, wasn't it? Because everyone was looking at that game, going into it, thinking uh, Middlesbrough don't have a great away record against some of the top sides, don't have a lot of goals in them. Norwich, you know, good on their own patch. But getting that early goal, an own goal, though it was, from Alex Tetty, it allowed them to focus on what they do best, and that is be tight, be very solid at the back. And they rode there like a couple of times with Norwich having some good chances, but generally they kept Norwich pretty quiet. And, I mean, it was a marvellous defensive display, and that's what they're good at, and it was a great win for them. So they set the bar on Friday. That was uh, the standard to live up to on Saturday. Uh, Watford won Birmingham nil. Craig Kafkar oh. with a sensational kind of not a proper overhead kick, it's kind of a sort of swiveled overhead sort of kick, swivel volley, scissor yeah. kick, whatever you want to call it's it. Centre it back, was, isn't he? It was magnificent. For the man a is a centre back, and I tell you what, he's been uh, magnificent actually for us this season. He's had a couple of little injuries here and there, but when when he's been in the team. He's been a model of consistency. And it's his second spell at the club, uh, Cathcart. He, he he had a very short loan spell with us under Malky Mackay, I think, a few years ago. Was he ago. at Blackpool? He was at Blackpool. Yeah, he was originally era. at Manchester United. And um, he, he was on loan to us from United back then. And he wasn't that good, really, that back then for that month. But it was only a month, so what can you tell in a month? But um, So people were thinking, what's he going to be like? He's been at Blackpool, haven't done very well the last year or so. But he's come in and he's obviously learnt a lot in the last few years. He's grown in stature as a player, grown in maturity, and he's been a really calming influence for us at times because we don't have the best defence, but he's best, definitely been our, our best defender this season. And he's come up with a couple of goals and none more crucial than that one against Birmingham on Saturday when it was tight. Somebody had to break the deadlock and, you know, you don't always turn to your centre-half in that occasion, but it was nice that he could do it. Well, so yeah, 2-1-0, so very tight affairs, as you say, where wins for Middlesbrough and Watford. Bit of a different kind of game at the Goldsand Stadium on mm. Saturday. Bournemouth were down to 10 men uh, after Simon Francis was sent off for a second yellow. They were 1-0 down to Sheffield Wednesday, I think, at the time. They came back to win, uh, to be leading 2-1, young Kermagant and uh, Matt Ritchie. And then... What's deep, a goal from Matt Ritchie, though, by the way? Deep Tremendous goal. in stoppage time, penalty awarded to Sheffield Wednesday, converted by Chris Maguire. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you said last week, I think, uh, one draw... And they could be out of the top yep. two. I mean, they're still in the top two, as yep. things stand. But 
at this stage of the season, a bit like Norwich will have seen, we're dropping those three points. Like even a one point drop makes a big difference. Some, I think some of the Bournemouth players may even have been in tears at the end of that game, which is slightly premature. They've still got a fantastic chance of going up. But I mean, I was, I was, I was following the games on Soccer Saturday, uh, and you know, I was. Nervous, really nervous, waiting for updates. Chris Kamara was at was at Vicarage Road, and I was waiting for him to Jeff. waiting for him to pop up. And there weren't many unbelievable Jeffs in the first hour or so. Uh, there was obviously a lot of nerves at Vicarage Road, and eventually we got the goal and brilliant. But then Sheffield Wednesday were one 0 up, and you know I was I was in dreamland, absolutely in dreamland. But then what started to happen? Bournemouth get the goal back. Bournemouth go down to ten men. Bournemouth get another goal and go in front and you may have seen me post on Twitter a uh, slightly uh, frustrated comment well, I think in Bournemouth's direction which got me a bit of stick but because I only saw that today but I, I went too early you did but that was uh, that was just basically an office quote you yeah. being David Brent and just, some was, people didn't realise that you so, called them pathetic for was, winning yeah yeah it was semi sort of sarcastic and semi yeah. annoyed at them but um but uh, yeah, the, the penalty, 95 minutes in. And I mean, it, what a crucial penalty that could turn out to be. And, and Eddie Howe, you know, we mentioned that they've got a lot of penalties, Bournemouth themselves this season. And Eddie Howe has sort of been on a bit of a, been on the offensive after that game. He felt Bournemouth should have had a penalty. Callum Wilson was brought down and he's been the guy that's been fouled most of the times for a lot of their penalties, such as his pace. And he was actually saying that he thinks the referees have got together and said, right, no more penalties for Bournemouth. They've had too many. It's starting to look bad. I'm not sure and, about that. And, you know, well, exactly. I mean, he's obviously saying, he's obviously frustrated, but he believes they should have had a penalty. And, you know, that combined with them conceding one could have a dire consequences. The, for one, the one thing about this show is that, you know, uh, even through the years, we're all just sort of football fans and we, we're all, we do try and stay quite impartial. But I'm sorry, at this stage of the season, that goes out the window. Yeah. I mean, when there's promotions on the line, mm. this is the time when our true colours are going to kind of come <laughs> flying out. So that's how I would defend it. Anyway, so in that 14 mini league, uh, the top four, Watford, Bournemouth, Middlesbrough, Norwich all played 44 games Watford 85 Bournemouth 84 Middlesbrough 84 but a good 15 goals back on goal difference from Bournemouth and Norwich on 82 so I'm sorry to say this in a way because you know what happens when uh, this happens to teams but it's in your hands mate you've got two games there away at Brighton Saturday lunchtime on the telly and then Sheffield Wednesday at home win those two games you'll be in the Premier League I know I mean it's scary isn't it And, and on Monday morning so many people at work were saying, oh, come on, mate, you're going to go up, aren't you? Look at that. What a weekend. You're going to do it. You're only going to bloody go and do it, aren't you? And with each answer I gave, I became less and less confident that we were going to do it. I was I was hating every word that uttered from my mouth. I just, you know, I was cringing with each time I had to had to state our case as to why we were going to do it. Well, it's like, give the other run-ins. Yeah. Uh, Norwich have got Rotherham away on Saturday and then Fulham at home. So they're playing two teams right down near the mm-hmm. bottom. So maybe they can pick up two wins there. Middlesbrough also playing Fulham. Uh, that's away on Saturday at Craven Cottage. Then they play Brighton at home. And the interesting thing this weekend, I think, is that Bournemouth are not playing till Monday night. No. So if everyone else wins, think of the pressure they're going to be under. They're at home to Bolton on the TV and they finish at Charlton away. I mean, um, we could technically be promoted on Saturday. Is that... Yeah, because if we beat Brighton at lun- on lunchtime... Yeah. Um, and then, we, what, Middlesbrough and, 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 Middlesbrough Norwich, and Norwich, lose. Norwich lose, we're up. Yeah. In fact, even if Norwich draw, because they'll be on 83, you'll be on 88. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. It's that stage of the season where we have to start looking at the numbers. No, no, Middlesbrough, if Middlesbrough draw, they'll be on 85. No, no, no. Sorry, Norwich. If Norwich draw, yeah. they'll be on 83. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so <laughs> Middlesbrough's the this one. This is really. why I don't do countdown. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, right. So let's talk about uh, the playoff situation. Uh, very different to those one nil. Let's Huddersfield four, Derby four. Blimey. 
That was a hell of a game, wasn't it? Uh, Derby and Ipswich. You're still studying the numbers there. Yeah. Uh, Derby and Ipswich. Um, both, uh, well, Ipswich got a draw at Wolves, but that's kind of as good as a win because it kind of keeps Wolves yeah, at arm's length. Good result. So Derby on 76, Ipswich on 75, and now there's a three-point gap to Brentford and Wolves who are on 72. But maybe um, that shows you exactly the problem with Derby this season. We've, we've talked a lot about their striking problems with Chris Martin being injured, Darren Bent being injured. But actually, if you look at the goals conceded, column mm. that's that's possibly where the real damage has been done this season they conceded far too many goals and you know you, you shouldn't be having four all draws with Huddersfield <laughs> uh, Derby you've got Millwall away and then Reading at home uh, Ipswich finish against Forest and then Blackburn Brentford have got Reading and Wigan and Wolves have got uh, Wigan and then Millwall there you go uh, confirmed in the playoffs already Watford, Bournemouth Norwich and Middlesbrough but of course two of them will be going up automatically right down at the bottom Blackpool already relegated Wigan are clinging on they won 2-1 against Brighton at the uh, DW Stadium on Saturday uh, they're on 39 points Rotherham we still don't know whether they're going to be deducted points uh, five points ahead and fourth bottom uh, so basically Wigan have got to win both their games and hope well, unless there's a points deduction, hope that something happens. Wigan finish against Wolves and then away against Brentford, which is a very tough finish. Millwall, DC, lost 2-0 at Blackburn on Tuesday night this week, which is their game in hand. And, uh, I think they, that could be it. That really, really could have done with a win there because that would have got them back yep. within one point of Rotherham. Absolutely. So now, now they are absolutely praying for a points deduction for Rotherham and need Rotherham to lose... Well, all of those last, you know, all of those games, really. Yeah, so Rotherham have got Norwich at home Saturday, then they play Reading on Tuesday, and then they play Leeds away on the last day. I mean, Leeds are in a state of utter disarray. Did you see all that from Friday? I, to be honest, I only heard about this on Football Weekly, on my five-hour Megabus mm. today. Barry Glenn Denning was talking about it. Talk Sports' very own Barry Glenn Denning. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Chaos. We talk about seven Leeds players, or six players who were you know, in the squad and then just didn't yeah. couldn't play because they were injured. Someone was tweeting a picture well, of their injury. Well, they're all the players as well that were signed by Chilino. In the ah, so all the all the the talk and the suggestion was that Celino may have may or may not have told them to, in, in inverted commas, go on strike yes, under the veil of being injured. And a couple of them started coming up on on Twitter and Instagram, posting pictures of of scars, of injuries, and and saying, "Oh, I'm injured. And this is why I'm injured. This, that, and the other." Uh, but it all combined basically for you know yet another sorry episode in what's been a pretty sorry season for Leeds. And uh, I was. You know, speaking to a few Leeds fans on Monday morning, some of the guys that went to the game um, down in London at Charlton, and you know the fans, it's just one disaster to the next, and they don't know what's going on. And Chilino's supposedly coming back to the club, even though he appears to basically still be there, in, in, when even though he's banned. So who knows what's going to happen in the summer? It looks like he doesn't want Redfern though. Despite Redfern doing not too bad, really yeah. considering how bad they were doing before, looks like Redfern will probably go in the summer, so God knows what's going to happen next. Right, League One then. Uh, Bristol City are the champions. They drew 0-0 at home to Coventry. Bit of a damn squib to seal it, but they have won the title and they'll be getting the trophy, I presume, on the final day when they play Walsall at home. They could still... Oh no, they can't crack 100 points. They can get to 99 if they win the last two. Uh, but really interesting is the battle for second place. Preston looked to have this sewn up uh, sort of a week or so back, pretty much. Uh, they were away at Port Vale on Friday. They were, uh, it was one all. Uh, sorry, they were 2 1 up, and Port Vale were down to 10 men, and they conceded a late equaliser to finish 2 2. MK Dons then absolutely routed Leighton Orient 6 1 on Saturday to cut the gap. And then on Tuesday this week, 
both played uh, simultaneously. MK Dons won again 3-0 at home to Doncaster and Preston won 3-1 at Notts County. They have a point advantage going into the last two games. That is a perilous advantage to have, just a single point. And I make that, what's that? That's five wins in the last six. But six wins in the last seven for MK Dons. So eight wins in the last nine, I think. They're on fire. So that's going to the wire. Yeah, and I've been back in Preston all the way. But it does, you know, it is, it is looking nervous for them as well. I mean, that goal difference is not in their favour as well. MK Dons absolutely streets ahead on their goal difference. So if Preston were to lose and MK Dons just get a point, you know, if the, if the gap remains as it is, then MK Dons will be the ones that go up. But I do hope Preston Preston go up. I would like to see them do it. Uh, final two games. Do you want to read them out? Yeah, well, Preston Swindon at home on Saturday. Uh, Swindon drew, did they drew three all? They did three uh, with Warsaw. With Warsaw yeah. in the week. And then uh, Colchester away on the final day of the season. Uh, MK Dons, Rochdale away on Saturday and then already relegated Yeovil at home on the final day. Well, Chesterfield at the minute have a five-point advantage over Rochdale. It's the only team that can make a bid to get in the playoffs are Rochdale. Uh, but you think they're a bit too far back, yeah. five points. So basically, MK Dons are playing two teams with nothing to play for in the last two games mm. uh, whereas Preston are playing Swindon who um, obviously in the playoff picture and Colchester are fighting to stay well, up Swindon are a funny one though because they've got no hope of getting third and they've got no hope of finishing fifth they are going to finish fourth yeah. whatever happens so they are basically, basically you know they might yeah, okay. realistically be looking at the playoffs and thinking let's we've got two huge games coming up in the playoffs whoever it's against we need to save ourselves. So in the playoffs, it's going to be, uh, well, one of Preston and MK Don, Swindon, Sheffield United, and then probably Chesterfield. Right, down to the relegation picture. This is far from sorted at the bottom of League One. Yeovil are gone, we know that. Colchester, uh, they are four points off safety, but they have three games to play. Uh, so they are playing uh, Fleetwood away on Saturday, then Swindon at home, and then Preston at home. So they've got two teams in the top six still still to play. It's looking pretty bleak. They drew two all uh, at home to Scunthorpe on Saturday. Uh, just above them in 22nd, Notts County, a 3-1 home reverse to Preston. And before that, they lost 2-0 at Crawley in a big game at the weekend. It's looking uh, pretty bleak if you're a Notts County fan. And likewise for Leighton Orient, back in the relegation zone after, what, that 6-1 defeat on Saturday MK Dons and a 1-0 loss at Rochdale in midweek. They are also two points off safety with two games to go. Uh, but Crew and Crawley and even Port Vale just about in sight. You'd think that Scunthorpe and Coventry would be safe. But uh, it's a bit of a melee down there. Yeah, and Leighton Orient. I mean, I was reading a piece recently. They're kind of the opposite of about um, them. And... They're like the opposite of Wickham, what, yeah. they've, what they've done this season. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, fantastic season last year. And we did the sort of, we, we had a look at Leighton Orient in, in some depth, didn't we, a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, I suppose. And it all points down to that disastrous, there are many things that have gone wrong this season. But for me, the, the most disastrous thing is appointing Fabio Liverani as manager, a guy that had six managerial games experience in Italy before taking a Leighton Orient job. And he just clearly wasn't ready for this job he might be a good coach good manager one day he's got a good pedigree as a player but there's no way he was ready to manage Leighton Orient in League One with that level of experience and and I think it showed I mean it's been a disastrous season for them and if they get relegated to League Two if you look at the players they brought in in the summer and the wages they would have been paying some of those players it is an utter shambles and West Ham as well dipping the uh, season ticket prices for the Olympic yeah. Stadium which I know Barry Hearn uh, even though he obviously he's not chairman anymore, he's not too happy about. He's been talking out about that today. So yeah, things looking pretty bleak, but there are plenty 
of, well, there's, there's plenty. There's two opportunities to change it. There's plenty of big games down the bottom. Uh, later the road finish against Sheffield United and Swindon. Notts County finish at home to Doncaster and then away to Gillingham. Crew and Crawley just outside the relegation zone. OK, down to League Two. Uh, Burton Albion, as we talked about in depth, are promoted. They'll win the title if they win on Saturday and Shrewsbury don't. Shrewsbury is still not promoted with two games left, but they've got a five-point cushion on fourth. So basically, because of their goal difference, they need one draw and they're away to the bottom team in the Football League. Uh, or sorry, second bottom. In fact, Cheltenham bottom, I second the second bottom t- uh, team in the Football League at the weekend. So Shrewsbury are going to be promoted. Mickey Mellon is going to get them up to League One. So a uh, congratulations to them because I'm sure they'll be celebrating on Saturday. And that leaves one automatic promotion place uh, to be filled. Right, come on then. Right, so Saturday, um, we won 1-0 at Portsmouth and Wickham drew 0-0 at AFC Wimbledon and that was them dropping points which we've been waiting for for a few weeks now. Basically meaning we were two points behind them, we had this game in hand. Uh, Southend won again at the weekend so they were one point back from us. So basically, if we, we won this game in hand Tuesday night this week, we would go, uh, if you're a new listener, we being Berry, uh, we would go uh, one point above Wickham. Uh, so basically, our destiny was in our own hands. Win our last three games, we'll be promoted to League One. So bring on the big game. Berry against Southend on Tuesday night. This is the abandoned game for a few weeks back. Free entry to all. Um, and there was 8,500 there. Biggest attendance I can remember in a long, long time. Uh, and we lost 1-0. <laughs> um, uh, so I went back, what to a disaster. The, I went back to the game yesterday. Uh, it was an ex-player of ours, David Worrell. Really tragic uh, sort of s- a story relating to him. Him and his girlfriend um, or wife uh, had a baby recently and the baby died about an hour after it was born. I didn't know that at the time. He was very emotional about that after the game. He scored an absolutely belting free kick. He didn't really celebrate, to be fair, sort of out of respect for us. He was with us when we got promoted in 2011. Um, and it's one of those games where we dominated, didn't score, and then, you know, second half, Phil Brown made a double sub, and they just took the initiative, and they've not conceded a goal seven United for six matches, uh, which is... It's remarkable. Remarkable record. Obviously, Daniel Bentley's been talked about a lot, their goalkeeper. Um, you know what, I'm quite surprised he's still there, because he's been there quite a few seasons now, putting in good performances, he's been talked about a lot, I'm sure he's been watched, and I know for a fact he's been watched by clubs from, from leagues and higher leagues above, so I would wonder whether whether they go up or not, whether he'll be there next season. Um, he's certainly a, a, a hot talent, a hot prospect for the future. But the whole defence, not just Bentley, the, the defence in front of him as well, that's a fantastic achievement to, to keep six clean sheets in a row. I mean, they, they, their defence, again, it was very good last season and it's been even better this season. It was one of those games that was really, really tight, though. It's going to be one to leave away and they just happened to nick it. And what a goal it was. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, David Worrell there of a, you know, very, very sad circumstances. And for him to to be able to focus on playing football yeah. when something like that's happened and not only to just turn up and play but to score a goal of that quality in a game of that importance is uh, quite an achievement and fantastic goal and it was worthy of winning the game. Well, let's hear from Phil Brown then. Uh, the Southend United manager gave his reaction uh, to their 1-0 win at Bury uh, on the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast on Talk Sport. It was, uh, my word, Alan, it was, uh, it was a tough night to tell you the truth because... Um, you know, the Berry chairman, because of the first game, I don't, I don't know if you know the story, obviously the first game was rained off and we, we played about six minutes and uh, there was about 4,500 fans turned up for that and we had about 400 there from Southend. And they decided to go free for all last night, you know, they opened the gates and there's about 8,500, I think it was the, the biggest crowd at Berry for about 20 years. So it was a hell of an atmosphere. And, um, and to be fair to Flitty, he set his team out positively, they came out the traps, really got at us in the first half and We've got this unbelievable mentality at the moment for keeping clean sheets, you know, we're putting our bodies on the line, 
local lad, Adam Barrick, you know, he's a local legend, 290 games before he, you know, in, the, in his first spell at the football club. He's come back, he's in the side and he's thrown, he's thrown himself in front of shots, Kane, Bulger. Just everybody's playing their part at the moment, you know, and, and then at the other end, Dave Worrell, uh, of all people, I don't know if you know the story, Alan, Dave Worrell, about four weeks ago, had a horrendous uh, problem where his family was concerned. You know, his, his, um, his girlfriend got pregnant and then 21, 21 weeks into it, they had to... Uh, they had to quickly have the baby and uh, and the baby died after 45 minutes and David's just been missing for about four or five weeks which you can fully understand but last night uh, against his former club and he talked about all the emotions spilling out my word he stuck the ball in from a free kick and uh, he broke down and oh he just dedicated everything to noise he, he, you know the, the child that was born and it was really a really important moment last night for us you know and hopefully you know that will and David in good stead for the rest of his career and uh, and hopefully us for the last two games as well. We went to Burton about seven games ago. We got beat 2-1 against 10 men and I was really, really low after the game. But we got the lads together. We had a real heart-to-heart and since then they've responded. Seven clean sheets on the bounce and... Uh, yeah. And not not just that, you know, we've got 19 points from 21. So it's it's given us a real good chance. I would have said, yeah, defensively, I, I would have thought it's given us the chance. But the guys at the other end, you know, I mean, Barry Coe still putting his body on the line for a 30 year old. You know, he's he's been out of uh, out of the game for a, about a 15 month period, and he's got broken this and broken that. And you know, he's he's played a lot of games for us. And last night, he really put his he's put himself through it. You know, so the boys at the front end are doing it as well. No doubt about it. Last night was a good advert for the second division, I've got to say, you know, eight and a half, nine thousand turned up and we really went at each other. Second half we got to grips with it, uh, but Berry in the first half, I've got to say they should have they should have got something from the game bottom line is we just showed that resilience and got the win we should have got something from that game he's completely right that is Phil Brown talking on the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast On my birthday as well. On my birthday. You know, right, you know when you support a small club and you get a big crowd in, huge, huge crowd it was for us, and we lost 1-0. you just got to win those games. Obviously, we've got to win for promotion, but to keep them coming back. And um, they put the South End fans sort of, the away fans are usually behind the goal, but they put them to the side, and so we had both home fans behind both goals, and we just couldn't oh, get the ball I mean, I've, I do, I've been mocking you all yeah. day, but, I mean, if we do that against Sheffield Wednesday yeah. on the last day of the season, you know... I'll, God knows what you know. I yeah. don't even want to imagine how bad but I feel. So it is terrible. It's not over yet, though. It's You've not... got a chance to go. You know, to, to still do it. It's not over yet. So and you're going to be in a playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a situation. And Wickham. So two games to go. Wickham on 81. Southend on 81. We're on 79. Uh, Wickham have got five goal advantage on Southend on goal difference. We were chatting about this uh, earlier when we were chatting. Uh, to Joe but Wickham finish with Morecambe at home on Saturday always been a big fan of Kevin Ellison then they play Northampton <laughs> away uh, Southend finish uh, with Luton at home and then Morecambe away always been a big fan of Kevin Ellison and we finish with Wimbledon at home and then Tranmere away uh, so basically I'm going back up Saturday we've got to win Saturday win Saturday 5 o'clock we'll just see what's happened I think that's all we can do really mm. got to win on Saturday yeah. and then if, if those two teams drop points if they both draw and we win then we'll all be level on 82 and that'll be a hell of a final day um, below that Stevenage are just about in the playoffs they've, they've got a four point cushion they've uh, played Carlisle and Luton the last two Plymouth 
and Luton and maybe Newport. I think Newport just about out of it. Northampton Exeter have got an outside bet, but it's basically between Plymouth and Luton for that final spot. Luton have got really tough final two games. Southend away and then Stevenage. Always love Luton if you can get a result at Southend on Saturday. Well, given so, given that, then Newport might fancy the chances of sneaking in because yeah. uh, York and Oxford, uh, they're York away and then Oxford at home. Yeah. Winnable games for Newport. And Plymouth have got Tranmere at home, who obviously got a lot to play for, and Shrewsbury away, uh, who probably will be promoted by them, but might be going for the title. So it's not easy for them either. either. I don't want a <laughs> trip to Plymouth in the playoffs. That's going to be a hell of a long journey. Would you go down uh, to Home Park? I think you, I would, because I think the, the away leg... Cause probably, was, a, probably a good time to go to Plymouth, really. The weather <laughs> will probably be quite nice at this time of year. Well, the thing is, we've yeah. beaten... So in those teams, uh, Stevenage, I think we won at home and drew away. Plymouth, we beat them home and away. Stevenage and Southend are close. Uh, and so is Wickham yeah. to London. So That's very true. Uh, down at the bottom then. You're going to get Plymouth, aren't you? Yeah, of course we are. <laughs> down at the bottom, it's... But, mate, yeah. it will be a good trip. You've passed your, your allowance. He was stood there at the side, his permatanned face, absolutely loving his. He's doing the marathon plan. on Sunday. He is. He is doing the marathon. He's probably as fit as some of his players. Anyway, right, and that's enough about that. <laughs> you can see how, how funny football is. Within a week, the emotion changes. The opposite effect. Maybe it'll be you this time next week. Yeah. Uh, down at the bottom of League Two. I don't think there's any clips of Stuart Gray singing <laughs> on the internet though, so I think I'll be okay. Stuart Day. Oh, Stuart Gray. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. I've got my Stuart hand. Day. <laughs> Sorry. It's been a long day for you, hasn't it? It's been a long day. Uh, down at the bottom of League Two. Tranmere, Cheltenham and Harlepool. Basically, it's two from those three. Above that, everyone's safe. So, well done to everyone who's stayed up. Uh, so, state of play with two games to go. Harlepool, 41 points. Cheltenham, 40 points. Tranmere, 39 points. So, Tranmere have got to make up two points on Hartlepool in the last two games. Here are the fixtures. Hartlepool have got Exeter at home and Carlisle away. Cheltenham have got Shrewsbury at home and then Wimbledon away. That's particularly tough. Uh, and then Tranmere have got Plymouth away and Bury at home. And, of course, Tranmere don't have a manager. They don't. Because Mickey Adams resigned. Yeah. I mean, is that the final bell being told for Mickey Adams' managerial career? Surely that man's not going to get another job. Well, the thing is, he did quite well at Port Vale uh, this recent time, didn't he? Mm. Overall. I suppose so. Um, And then he took that job, obviously, thinking he could keep them up. And uh, he's decided he can't. And he's just jumped ship. I mean, that, that might be a very simple way of looking at it or what's the word? A very cynical way of looking at it. I suppose he did do okay. You know, yeah, he did a good job at Port Vale if you look at it in totality. But basically, his career has been one of large spells of mediocrity for a long time. Was he Sheffield United manager when they got relegated mm-hmm. from the Championship? Yeah, thought yeah. it was. He's had a few of those. Yeah. He's had a few of those. Did, did all right at Brighton. Premier League, did all right at Brighton back in the day. Yeah. Um, He's been Coventry manager, hasn't he? He's point. been everywhere. Yeah. He's been everywhere. Uh, Tranmere uh, going down then, do you reckon? I, I do expect them to go down, yeah. But then I suppose maybe the thing that they would look to, to give them hope is that Adams has gone... Can can the caretakers? We should probably know who the caretakers are, shouldn't we? Really, <laughs> can the can the players raise themselves in those last two games? It doesn't look likely, does it? But we've seen great escapes before. You know, teams that look dead and buried on the last day of the season before they drop out of the football league. Look at Wickham last year, you know, and it, it can do funny things to players. Pressure can make you perform, or it can make you crumble, and they've got to do one or the other. Alan Rogers and Sean Garnett. There you go. <laughs> they're, the, they're the caretaker managers. Um, so yeah and Cheltenham obviously got a really tough final two games there um, uh, Shrewsbury and Wimbledon it could all be over on Saturday if Hartlepool can win and the other two lose it'll, it'll all be over uh, right the Football League Players of the Year were announced at they the, were uh, at the Football League Awards mm-hmm. very pleased to see Danny Mayer very midfielder uh, who had about four men on him last night <laughs> not surprisingly win the League Two no, Award I'm- 
the, I believe all 23 managers voted for him in the League 2 which is amazing if that's true he, he didn't have the, the best game but he played against Luton I think he did didn't he uh, when I went to see I'm them I'm not sure with it was you. a long time ago I, mate. Think, yeah. I don't remember having the best game but um yeah, I mean, he's been do, you, do you think he's been a deserving winner? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He's a cut above. Um, Joe, Joe Garner, or Joe Garner, sorry, Preston uh, in yeah. League One. Uh, is I mean, one. he scored a lot of goals. Quite surprised yeah, he's not the, someone from Bristol City, personally. Gonna say, I'm going to say, Bristol City romping home to the title, you'd think that maybe uh, Freeman or Wilbraham or, or Aidan Flint, maybe, yeah. would have at least been worthy of a mention. Uh, but yeah, Joe, Joe Garner won it and, you know, good luck to him. And in the Championship, you. Me, Patrick Bamford, yeah. Uh, yeah. Middlesbrough won the player, of, and and you got to hope for his sake next year that uh, he gets a chance at Chelsea. But I'm not, I'm not sure he will. But although maybe for his sake, he, you know, you want Middlesbrough to go up and he could stay there and play for a year in a Premier League with Middlesbrough. Maybe that'd be a, a, a sure good sort of halfway house for him. I'm sure he would say that. Um, but you have uh, with you a magazine, don't you? Yes. Why is it? I should also mention Deli Alley getting the best young player. And, of the year. and Eddie Howe winning manager of the decade. Yeah, did you see the team of the decade? No. It was very, very interesting. There's a great um, great thing on our forum. Nuge was in it, I think. Uh, there's a great thing on our forum, I'm sure it was the same on a lot of clubs after this was announced. It was like, give us your your team of the decade. It's like for you, be your Watford team of the decade, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And people just posting with the worst 11 we've had in the last 10 <laughs> years. Reminds you of some absolute shockers. Um, but you've got with you a copy of? 442. 442? Yeah, very, very and they've done their annual top 50 players in the Football League. Interesting. I've not uh, seen this, so I don't I, I don't have a clue. So it always, um, you know, so is this, is isn't, a good this isn't your players for discussion 50. and debate, isn't it's it? It's the top 50 players in total, not the top 50 young players, correct? No, nothing to do with the young players. Excellent, okay. Nothing to do with what, what we've Because we've got that one yeah. cornered off. Um, but it's just the top 50 players of all ages. Well, so all right. You shall gonna... I, what, count you down the top 10? Yeah, uh, if we, I, I can tell you what, I'll add a bit of... Um, uh, sort of top of the pops related music under okay. this. Actually, I can't. Oh, I can't. I can't sort of do that now. But I will. I will add this in. So you're gonna have to read this like a chart, mate. So uh, best luck with this. Okay. So you go at ten and then give it at nine a new entry and on so on and so on. Okay, I don't. Have I, I've, any, done I a don't couple, I've done a couple of chart shows in my time, so I, I can do it. But it you've got the magazine. It doesn't have information as to where they finished last year, so okay. I can't give you any new Down entry. One, new entry Center. up to non mover. Okay. At 10, starting off the countdown, it's Jordan Rhodes, Blackburn Rovers striker, age 25. Slightly surprising. Okay, at 9. <laughs> and at 9, dropping down into League One, it's Massimo Luongo of Swindon Town. Good. The reason half of their games have been delayed on international for international weekends. At 8. And at 8, it is Will Hughes, the albino midfielder from <laughs> Derby County. Still just 19 years old. Smart. Good, you're opposite Incredible. me. Incredible. Uh, number 7, the aforementioned Delhi Alley, winning the Football League Young Player of the Year at the award on Sunday of course technically not a football league player because he is owned by Spurs isn't he mm, but technicality played for MK Dons all season had a fine season at 6 Ooh. the championship's top scorer so far is Daryl Murphy of Ipswich Town 32 didn't realise he was that old getting on uh, at 5 a man that's not seen much action of late but he's there at number 5 it's Chris Martin Derby County now is that a joke about Chris Martin splitting up with Gwyneth Paltrow is that but no, not, no, mu- not, nothing... not much action in the sense of not playing for Derby. Not playing for Derby. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Sorry. No, no talk of I conscious was, uncoupling. I thought here, that was mate. a smooth no. double entendre. There. No, no, I'm not that good. Uh, uh, at four, we know that. Possibly should have been higher. I think he should have been. It's Troy Deeney. <sighs> Bias. Watford's uh, Watford's Had another sixty great goal season, front man over the last three seasons. Season. That's quite a quite a tally. Right, this is it. The, and the big at number uh, three. The... Yep. We're going down to the south coast. Bournemouth. It's Callum Wilson. 
Can't argue with that. He's had a great season. Uh, number two, scored a lot of goals early season. Don't think he's scored too many lately, but he's still been playing well. It's Middlesbrough's Grant Ledbetter. Okay. Well, wow, he's, he's a lot higher than I thought he would be. And, and at number one, leave a the dramatic pause. Best player in the football league, according to 442 and their assembled panel of experts. It's another Bournemouth player. It's Matt Ritchie. There you go. There you have it. Uh, so, what do you re- what do you reckon to that? I think we might have got the Bournemouth fans back on side by reading hmm. that list out. Um, let us know. You can tweet at Wagyu Podcast. Who do you think's been the best player in the football league uh, this season? And smooth link. Here we go. Um, who do you think is the best young player at your club? Because that's what we want to hear from you about. Now we've had a few more this week, but. We're not getting hundreds of entries coming in, so we really do need your help with this, please. Uh, we're aiming to do a show at some point during the playoffs or at the end of the season uh, where we talk about the best young players uh, in the Football League. We'll hopefully get to speak to a couple, of them, a couple of them as well if they're not already off in Marbella by that point. So, DC, what do people do? They tweet us at Wagyu Podcast or they email us at wagupodcast at gmail.com. And what do you want again, All quickly? you've got to do is... You don't te- need to send a massive essay. You can do if you want, but you don't have to. Just tell us who the best young player is at your club. And by young player, we mean 21 or younger, and they must have played for the first team this season. Okay, let me give you some of the clubs we are short of. So Birmingham fans, Blackburn fans, uh, Brentford fans, uh, Norwich fans, Millwall fans, uh, Wigan fans, and so on, MK Dons fans, Peterborough, Port Vale, uh, Fleetwood, get in touch, and uh, in League 2, Luton, uh, Accrington, mm, that's going to be a problem, uh, Plymouth, Northampton, get in touch, let us know the best young player at your club. Now, do you know where Danny Mayer finished in this top 50? Uh, 25. 18. Oh, there you go. The eight You have, according to 442, the 18th best player in the Football League. He's a belter. He is a belter. Let's hope he's still with us next season playing in League One. Right, next week, I'm in Manchester uh, and uh, Liverpool as well. So I'm, I'm in the north. So how are we going to do this? We've not really talked about this. Uh, are you going to present the oh, show with me on the how, phone? How are we going to do this? <laughs> you, uh, you haven't even thought about this, have no you? No idea. Well, I, I mean... I've got a, a stag do of my own to go to. Ah. Not my own stag do. I was going to say, no, mate. Congratulations. I'd invite you if, I, if that was the case. Congratulations. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to a stag do at the weekend. Okay, so, right, yeah. So, so I'm going to be in a bit of a state come next week. So Watford are playing Brighton Saturday lunchtime. Yeah, you're, you're and I've been, to... I've been desperately trying to um, rearrange the schedule to, to fit in. You oh. know, to... That's just my housemate. <laughs> I can put him down. Um <laughs> I've been trying put to, to put him down uh, as in the phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Just uh, I've been trying to rearrange the schedule so we can miraculously be in a pub for an hour and a half on on Saturday lunchtime, which is what you'd think you'd be doing on a stag do, wouldn't you? But um, no, I'll you be going? travelling to. Um, well, I'll I'll be sort of somewhere. We're, we're flying to Edinburgh basically from London on Friday morning, right? Um, and then we're going to Newcastle on the second night, on the Saturday. So I'll be somewhere between Edinburgh and Newcastle. Okay, so next week we may have a broken uh, DC and me on the phone. Uh, probably broken if things go badly again mm. on Saturday. But we will we will have a show of sorts previewing well, the you final... you could be speaking to uh, a proud supporter of a Premier League football team. Oh, that's true. That is true. Um, well, we'll need to do a show in that case. <laughs> just finish it. Uh, right, that's it. So there will be a show next week previewing the final weekend of the season. Best of luck to everyone and your team this weekend if your season depends on the result of Saturday. I hope you have a great day and you get promoted slash don't get relegated. Uh, we will speak to you next time on We Are Going Up. Good luck to Phil Brown in the marathon. Sod off, Phil. This is the This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. 
Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. Let's go. 